Welcome back to Lords of Order, a DC's Dr. Fate fan podcast. I'm your host, Ed Moore, and I will be spoiling the book I talk about. First up, uh, there may be additional noises here. I'm sitting on my back porch today. Might be some bird sounds come through, uh, maybe a breeze that blows across the mic. Um, also, I do live relatively close to a, a pretty used road. It's on the other side of the house, the front of the house, though. So on occasion, we may hear somebody... Uh, trying to grow chest hair or proving they're the better man here on the hill. But other than that, um, let's see. You can get in touch with me at Teal Productions, T-E-A-L, on Twitter. Lords of Order has a Facebook page. The email address is thedrfatefanpodcast at gmail.com. And bigtimenoise.com slash drfate is the website where the episodes are posted. You can leave comments there as well. Showcase 96 from 1996. Issue number five, cover dated June 1996. As with the previous issue, a lot of 96s there. The title is Day and Night, Night and Bright, Part 2. Scripted for us by James Robinson, penciled and inked by Matt Smith, colored by Melissa Edwards, and lettered by Chris Eliopoulos. Now you can find this reprinted in the Starman Omnibus uh, from DC 2008, volume number two, and the same named Starman Omnibus published in 2012, number two. So apparently it's a reprint of the Omnibus, and you can find this story in both the original and the reprint of that. Now we open our story as we open the previous one, so that means that the entire story takes place in the Shades study. Everything is a reflection back on when this occurred. So he has brought us up to date quickly, uh, indicating, or not indicating, telling us he'd fought two flashes. I had been snatched from the melee by fate, Dr. Fate, that is, the mage of old. There was a cult, these wise fools, crazed and cruel, as cultists can sometimes be. They had some magic at their disposable. They wanted more. Their guards were magically transformed beastmen, so I was correct. They did have owl heads on bodies. It wasn't a mask. The power they desired was shadow power, the same as I wield. And they would draw the energy of souls to do this, siphoning a little from the soul of every listener to a radio station they used. They would gain the potency to recreate the same spell that once made me. They used an individual named Culp to do this. He, a fellow who knew me of old, who knew my origin. He was there at that time, after all, and he was my prize, the reason... I accompanied Fate as he attempted to perform a spell of containment for the cultist Shadow Rite. I wanted Culp. I wanted his head in my hands, with his body detached and somewhere else. And as the radio chat line chatted with people's problems aired and advice given, and then we cut to the actual scene of Fate and Shade making their way through the guards here at front. Uh, They dispatch a couple, but the guards quickly find that they are no match, so they attempt to run. Uh, Several of them run to the radio station to get inside and shut and barricade the doors. Several more on the outside scream, don't leave me behind. Uh, They don't want to be caught having to make that decision. All the while throughout this entire story, actually, we see word balloons of snippets of this advice line uh, that is being broadcast over the radio station. Some of them amusing, most of them very typical for radio advice lines, very stereotypical, actually. But the men inside attempt to barricade the door from Shade and Dr. Fate. Shade gets Dr. Fate to be uh, more panache in gaining entrance because the Shades would be more subtle, he said. 
the shade said. And this entrance, there was a vehicle out front. I apologize if you heard that. I heard it. It's annoying, but it is. Uh, but so Dr. Fate acquiesces and using his power blows the doors, uh, perhaps that entire front wall of the building the radio station is, apart. They gain access. The men are continuing to either shoot slash fight or flee. Uh, they go back and forth, uh, Shade and Dr. Fate here a little bit. Shade doesn't see Culp, which is the main reason he's there. Fate wants Shade to uphold his part of the bargain, but Shade is more focused on finding Culp and not um, controlling this dark matter that they have called into being through this spell. Grabbing one of the guards, they find out where everything is occurring, and it's at the center of the radio station complex where the receiver is, is also where the spell is uh, coagulating, coalescing this dark force, dark matter that it is generating. And they go, and Culp is not there. Uh, he he left. He started the spell and left, so that means that all of this coming incoming dark energy doesn't have a place to be. It's just being sucked into this place and gaining more, gaining traction with no control. So Shade is a little taken aback that that's what Cope chose to do, but it is, and so now he has to attempt to control this mass of wild, dark, while Dr. Fate attempts to put a binding spell on it. We see that the Shade is having some issue. Um, he is knocked to the floor. His hat gets knocked off. You know, very, very rumpling, disheveling of this uh, uh, Victorian dandy, as it were. Dr. Fate, we have several panels of him working his magic, and we know because he is surrounded by a big light-shaped Ankh, or excuse me, Ankh-shaped light behind him as he is summoning his chaos magic or order magic. At this point, I'm not sure if he is a representative of one or the other. Um, I believe more recently it has come to light that he has always been an agent of chaos rather than order. Here, I believe he probably still assumes it's order, and, and it may still be. But the Shade is not doing overly well. He is holding his own. And truly, I believe, if not for Dr. Fate being there, the Shade may have been overwhelmed by this and either destroyed or became the unwanted vessel of this dark mass, this dark. I, I'm, and I'm, I sound kind of confused because I'm not exactly sure, to be honest with you, what it is. It's dark energy. It's from a dark dimension, but it's some intelligence, some basic intelligence. We don't hear it speak or anything like that, but if it's coalesced into one person, the person does have to exert quite a bit of will over it in order for the person to stay in control and not have this dark energy take over control. So I guess maybe dark energy would be the, the best phrase for it. Shade and uh, Fate are going back and forth. They're kind of bantering. Shade is calling on Fate to do you know, what he said he was going to do. And the, the final exchange here, Fate says, patience, shade, patience. And then the next panel says, is golden. And there's this big burst of light signifying that, that Fate's spell finally came into fruition. And we find that his binding spell eh, really isn't in fact binding. Merely what it is is transportation as he transported this dark energy to a different plane of existence, he says, where now it's going to be loose and free to grow and get stronger. 
<laughs> the shade's responses. Perhaps I'm a glass half full type of chap, but that seems acceptable to me. At least it isn't here. So a little bit different in belief, you know, in, in how to tackle this particular problem. Ultimately, they do protect the earth. They do take care of the spell. They banish the dark energy that's being coalesced, so Fate's mission is accomplished. Shade participated because he wanted to find and kill a particular individual, this cult person. Uh, that was not accomplished, but Shade was important in taking some of the heat from the dark energy as it was looking for, you know, something to do, a person to host it, whatever it's, it's writhing about giving Dr. Fate the opportunity to weave his magic unmolested and thus, uh, from those of us that have played D&D &D and, and things of that nature, we know that concentration is foremost with magicians. And if you break the concentration, a lot of times you break the spell. So that gave Fate an unfettered opportunity to formulate, cast, and accomplish the mission with this spell. And that um, is pretty much where this story ends. A lot, uh, lot quicker read through than the previous story. Both of them were about 10 or 11 pages long in total. Um, I do like the addition to the Shades uh, backstory, his person, mainly because I did not know it. So it gave me an opportunity to learn about an aspect of not just Dr. Fate, of course, that is my main focus here with the show, but also another character and perhaps a character that could have or should have more involvement in the comings and goings, the doings of Dr. Fate uh, throughout his time in the DC universe. But I don't know, I don't remember that I have seen or, or what I have read that Shade comes up that often, if at all, other than in this particular story. So that's, that's kind of cool. All right, next issue, I believe I'm going to look at the 1960 volume of Justice League. That's the first volume, issue 29, and then after that, 30, which will be the second meeting, I believe, the second team-up between the JLAJSA. And so hopefully between now and then I will have had an opportunity to read a couple issues of The Flash too, and can just give some quick thoughts on those things since they both seem rather fundamental to these JLA JSA crossovers and by extension fundamental to the story of uh, Kent Nelson, Dr. Fate. Thanks a lot, folks. Sure is nice out here today. I hope it's nice where you're at. Now that you've listened to this, go do something outside. Talk to you guys later. Ciao.